Once again, a very pleasant good morning to all. As Kim was mentioning earlier, it's a beautiful day. It is a blessed day. It is, most importantly, the Lord's Day. And we're so grateful. We're going to have our Bibles open to Genesis chapter 22. Chapter 22, we'll be noticing Abraham's offering of Isaac, his son. Genesis 22, verses 1 through 14 or so. Abraham's offering of Isaac, his son. All of you who continuously read the Bible, you're, as I am, you're taken aback again and again just how foundational the book of Genesis really is. Where would the rest of the Bible be without the book of Genesis? It is truly uh, an inspiring book and it sets the stage for the rest of the religious spiritual knowledge that we gain uh, from God. Our teachers over the years have spent a great amount of time in the book of Genesis with our little ones. And they have a great way of summing up the book of Genesis. Even with hand motions. Here we go. Even with hand motions. Maybe none of you have seen this. Maybe some of you have not seen this. Okay. So I've got to remember this. The creation. The fall. The flood. Okay. The tower. And then A-I-J-J. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. So your creation, the fall, the flood, the Tower of Babel, and then Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And that pretty much is the book of Genesis. And we're going to come right in here uh, in the life of Abraham and Isaac. And notice this great episode, Abraham's offering of his son Isaac. Abraham is known for his faith. And so that will be our lead statement today. That will be our lead statement. Abraham in his faith. Abraham in his faith. Alright, got your Bibles open. Genesis chapter 22 verses 2 and 3. Abraham in his faith did what the Lord told him to do. That's point number one. Page one. In his faith Abraham did what the Lord told him to do. You see here in verses 2 and 3 of Genesis 22. Abraham uh, goes to, um, rather, God goes to Abraham and says, uh, I want you to take your son, your only son Isaac, go into the land of Moriah, and I'll tell you the place later, but you go into the land of Moriah and you offer your, your son Isaac there upon the altar as a burnt offering. And what does verse 3 say? Abraham got up early the next morning and he took off to do what the Lord had told him to do. Faith is measured by movement. God looks at our faith by movement, by action. And there's a commentary on Abraham's faith in James chapter 2 beginning in verse 21. James 2.21 comments on Abraham's faith. James says in James 2.21 beginning... Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac upon the altar? And then James goes on to explain that don't you see that 
faith and the works made his faith active and that by his works his faith was made perfect and complete. And James goes on in James 2.23. He says, So that the scripture can be fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. So we see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. So God measures our faith by our movement. Sometimes God has a hard time getting us to move, to get up and move. He didn't have a hard time getting Abraham to get up and move. So Abraham in his faith, he did what the Lord said to do. An interesting verse is found in Romans chapter 1 and verse 5 where Paul is making the point that all that God has done over the course of history, even to the point of making Paul an apostle and giving others the ability of an apostle. He said all this was done for the obedience of faith. Romans 1 verse 5. All this was done for the obedience of faith. And so faith is active when we first come to God. Faith is to be a life of faith, a life of obedience for the rest of our lives. As far as coming to God in the first place, an illustration of that, it's found in Acts 16, verse 31, where the jailer asked Paul, what must I do to be saved? Paul first told him to believe. Of course he did. You've got to believe in the Lord. But it wasn't very long after Paul continued to teach Scripture to him that the jailer was having a complete mind change. He was changing his heart. Instead of inflicting wounds upon Paul, he began to wash his stripes. He was definitely... Uh, in the mode of repenting of his sins, and then he was baptized. And then in verse 34 of Acts 16, notice it says that the jailer and his household, they were all believing in God. Okay, There is an example of, a, of the obedience of faith. He first told him to believe. He continued to teach him. The jailer became active in his faith. He obeyed. He was baptized. And then the summary statement is, that all he and his house, were they were in the process of believing. They continued to believe. We need to start there and we need to have a life of obedience uh, to God. Now the impressive thing about Abraham doing what God said to do is that he took off to do it and he did not have all the details. God said, go into the land of Moriah and then I will tell you the place later on. That's, that's impressive to me. And it teaches us that we need to obey what we know. We need to obey what we know. When we learn something from God, that's definitely something that He wants us to do. We need to set out to do that, to do that, to obey to that, to submit to that. And then go back and learn some more and then obey that. Go ahead and obey what you know. It's a great principle. This is really the secret to becoming educated before God. Because education in God's sight is not all about academics. It's about learning and doing. That's what Jesus uh, did. Jesus both taught and he did the things of God according to Acts 1 and verse 1. There's a great little statement you might want to underline in Psalm 34 verse 8. Psalm 34 verse 8. The encouragement there is to taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It's not just about learning about God. It's about getting involved with God. 
taste and see that He is good. That's how we grow. That's how we learn. It's both by hearing and understanding and doing it, carrying it out in our lives. And so Abraham just took off to do what the Lord wanted him to do, and then later the Lord would tell him more, and then he would obey more. We must learn to obey what we know. It's the secret to education, but it's also the secret to contentment and peace. Some people just will, they've said to me over the years, you know, I'm going to obey, but I've got to, I got to work out some issues with God. I, don't, I, need to, I need to figure out some things about God. Okay. Well, that's not how it works. We don't grow that way. We grow by, by learning and by, by doing, and then that gives us an education. Then we learn more, and we do, and it just kind of piles up, and before long you understand more than what you ever knew before. But by the way, you're not ever going to get it all figured out. Okay. You know, when you think about who God is, there's always going to be some mysterious aspects about God. And that's perfectly normal as it ought to be because of who He is and who we are. We're the created ones and He's the creator. Okay. Who do we think we are? Just because we can read a few books and watch a few videos and carry some money around uh, with us, do we think we can get God figured out? We're not going to get God figured out. Okay. We're not going to get Him figured out. If, if we maintain that as an excuse, then we'll still be asking that. We'll still be maintaining that when, when we're older. When we get older and older, we're, we're not qualified to get God all figured out. But I tell you what we better do. We better listen to Him. We better submit to what He says because that's the example of Abraham and that's the, that's the condition. That, that creates the condition of our soul. So Abraham in his faith, he did what God said do. Page 2. Page 2. Abraham, in his faith, he believed in God. Abraham, in his faith, he believed in God. You say, that sounds silly. He had faith. Certainly he believed. You'd be amazed how many people are in faith environments. You'd be amazed how many people who actually profess faith who don't really believe in God. They don't really believe God can do what he promises. But Abraham believed it. Look at verse 5 here in Genesis 22. They get to the land of Moriah. He has brought Isaac, of course. He has brought uh, the mechanisms for, for the sacrifice. And he's also brought two other servant men with him. He tells those two servant men. He said, now y'all stay here. Me and the lad, we're going to go to the place. We're going to go over yonder. And then we're going to return back again. Y'all stay here. Y'all stay here. You see, you see that in verse 5? In other words, we're going to go, you guys stay here, and we're going to go, and we're going to obey God, what He wants in His worship, and then I and the lad will return. That's very significant, of course, because God had just told Abraham, you're going to take your son to the land of Moriah, to Moriah on one of the mountains over there, and you're going to slay him. Abraham fully knows what's going to happen, but he, he tells the two servant men, he says, we're going to go yonder in a... In, 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 in his mind, he's thinking, I'm going to slay Isaac, but we're both going to come back. We're both going to come back. You see, Hebrews 11, 19 lets us in on the mindset of Abraham because Abraham considered that God was going to raise his son from the dead. That was his faith. That's what he believed. That's why he was able to tell those two men, we're going to go yonder and worship and then both of us are going to come back again. 
In his faith, he believed in God. Notice how he speaks the truth right there in the midst of his circumstance. This cannot be easy for Abraham. The very thought of what he has to do. The very idea of gathering materials to go and slay your son. But still, to those two servant men, he speaks the truth as it really was. Now how did Abraham get the idea that God was able to do this? Where did Abraham get his confidence that God could bring his son back from the dead? Well, many thoughts here. You know, Abraham's wife, Sarah, her womb, her womb was once dead, wasn't it? She couldn't have a child. She had not had a child. Her womb was once dead. And Abraham himself was 100 years old. But Abraham had witnessed that God had brought back, brought back the dead womb of his wife, Sarah. He can certainly bring back the son that came from that womb. And you remember that once upon a time, Sodom and Gomorrah were all alive in their wickedness and their sin, and God brought them down. But the main thing is that God had said to Abraham, In your seed, through Isaac, shall all the nations be blessed. Hebrews 11, verse 18. Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3. Through your son Isaac, through that seed, I will bring Jesus in the world. Through that seed, all the families of the earth would be blessed. And that was enough for Abraham. God said it, and I'm going to believe it. Think about the faith that Abraham had. Think about his belief there. And then think about the fact that we are living on this side of not just Abraham, but everything else that took place from God's hand in the Old Testament. And then we're living on this side of all that Jesus came and did on the earth. And we're able to read all of that. We're, we're living on this side even of the cross and the resurrection. So we have really no excuse whatsoever not to have the same level of faith and more of our father Abraham here. So Abraham first, in his faith, he did what God said do. Secondly, in his faith, he believed that the Lord was able to do it. In page three, Abraham, in his faith, he got down to business. That's how I look at it. He got down to business. When you begin to look there in Verses 3 and 4 and 5 and 6 and 7, 8, 9 and 10 in Genesis 22. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to do. To go to, go to the land of Moriah, you've got you to cut your wood. You've got to gather your wood. You've got to get the mechanisms of, of fire. You've got to get your two servants uh, ready to go. You've got to make the trip. You've got to make the three-day trip over there. Okay. You're going to get your son ready. And then you're going to make a transition. You're going to leave the two servants there. You're going to, then you and your son are going to uh, have to carry the mechanisms of the sacrifice over and over into the, to the mount, mountain of what God has chosen. And so he had to get down to business. A couple of things here that's really interesting to me. Verse 7, you know this is coming. The conversation between Abraham and Isaac. The conversation. A conversation. Think about some of the precious conversations you've, you've had with your children. Very precious. Very, very uh, 
very life-altering. This is one of those. Isaac says, uh, Father, Abraham says, here I am. Uh, Father, I see the wood here, and I see uh, the mechanisms of fire, uh, but where's the lamb? Look at what Isaac is saying. Father, we've been to worship many times together, and there's always a lamb. There's always an animal for sacrifice, but where is the animal this time? And Abraham was ready. He said, son, the Lord today will provide for himself a sacrifice. And evidently that's all Isaac had to hear. And they took off. They took off. What a conversation. Parents, grandparents, our children need to hear about a million times this very phrase, the Lord will provide. At least a million times they need to hear from us, the Lord will provide. About another million times they need to hear us say the Lord has provided. He is the one who has provided us the means to be where we're at right now. They need to hear us say again and again that the Lord will provide even at death. Even if death comes into our family, the Lord will still provide. It's not all about this life. The Lord still provides even at death. Abraham, in his faith, got down to business. He got down to business. And not only did he have this conversation with Isaac, but he got Isaac, actually, he built the altar. Isaac got bound up, and Isaac got laid on the altar. And Abraham got out the knife. Now, we see Abraham's faith here. Can you imagine... Think about the heart of a father here, heart of a daddy. Can you imagine you're going to go through with this and you know you're about to inflict pain upon your son. You know that you're going to have to watch the life of your son go from his body. Think about the faith of Abraham here. This is not someone going through the motions. Okay, This is not someone going through the motions and then raising the knife in the air and say, okay, God, now stop me. Okay, God, where are you at? No, this is not what we read. What we're reading here is that Abraham was going to do this because he firmly believed God would bring him back from the dead. But also do not miss the faith. Don't miss the faith of Isaac here. Most surmise that Isaac's about 25 years old. We know that Abraham's over 100 years old. As most boys could do, they could probably outmaneuver their father. He could get away. We don't see any sign of that. We don't see any, we don't read any sign of a struggle whatsoever. Evidently, Isaac has the type of submissive faith that we also are seeing in his father. The Lord will provide for him a sacrifice. Isaac gets up on that altar. You see, faith gets down to business. Faith is not always clean and tight and neat. In fact, it rarely is. Faith is messy. It's messy. Faith, if it's going to be faith, has to get down to business. You've actually got to go up to that door. Okay? You've got to actually speak up. You've got to hand them an invitation to church. Okay? 
Faith sometimes is messy. You're going to get rejected, right? You're going to have to run from a dog, right? Okay. But faith at some point has to get down to the business of obeying and doing and carrying out what we know God wants to be done. Page four. Abraham, in his faith, proved his love for God. Abraham, in his faith, he proved his love for God. Verses 11 and 12. The angel of the Lord says, Abraham, Abraham. Whenever God in Scripture repeated someone's name, you know something special was coming down the pike. Something special is going to be said. Something important is going to be done. Abraham, Abraham, don't lay a hand on your son, he says. And then he says, the angel does, now I know that you fear the Lord. And we're not going to travel down the study of fear because we're doing that tomorrow night with Brother Tim Hester in our men's class. But look at what he says, now I know. Now I know. It's not that the Lord has discovered a truth that He did not know. The Lord knows all past, present, and future. He's got prophecy uh, in His hand. Okay. He's got a tremendous knowledge base. Something we can't even uh, begin to understand ourselves. It's not that He's discovering a new truth. Rather, He's emphasizing that faith is a choice. Faith is a choice. Faith is an opportunity to prove our love to God. Just like Jesus says in John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. Abraham in his faith, he proved his love for God. Now at the beginning of this chapter of verse 1, you see that God tested Abraham. This is the test. Now test comes... Tests come in many shapes and sizes. Some are just pop quizzes, some are minor tests, some are take-home tests, and then there are the whoppers. The whoppers. Okay. This is a whopper here. The test is, does Abraham love God more than his son? Is Abraham willing to give up the son of his love, the special son, the one that he has waited for years upon, is he willing to give him up? And he passes the test with flying colors. But God doesn't want us to stop there. He wants us to ask, who or what is our Isaac? What is our Isaac? What is that thing that you're so attached to that God cannot have it? What is that thing that you're so attached to that God cannot have it? It may be different things for different people. It may be possessions. It may be money. It may be a job. It may be prestige. It may be social status. It may be your social life. It may be fear. What is that thing that you're so attached to that God cannot have it? Okay. It may be a person. It may be a family member. It may be a friend. 
What is that thing that you're so attached to that God cannot have it? What does God say? He says, bring that to me. Like Abraham, we must prove our love to God and for God. We sing, kneel at the cross, give your idols up. Turn not again to life's sparkling cup. Abraham in his faith, he proved his love for God. In page 5, Abraham in his love, he saw the provisions that God makes for him. Abraham in his, in his faith, he sees the provisions that God provides because as you keep reading there in Genesis 22, 13, he lifts up his eyes, Abraham does. He sees a ram caught by the horns in a thicket. He was able to take that ram. They were able to have church that day anyway. Able to take that ram. He offers it there on the altar in the place of Isaac. And the interesting thing here to me is this was probably the quietest ram in all of history. A ram with his horns caught in a thicket is bound to make all sorts of noise, but he doesn't hear. You see, the horns for a lot of these type animals, it's, it's like the, the lightsaber for a Jedi. It is their life. It is their life. If they, get their, if they get their horns caught anywhere, then they are going to throw a fit, and I mean a fit. They're going to make all sorts of noise until something or somebody or some. Somehow they get loose, but not here. Not until God is ready for Abraham to see this ram does he even know about it. We happened upon one time we were out in some pasture land during the fall of the year with some other folks, and we, were, we came upon a, a, a dog who somehow or another, how in the world, but he had gotten his collar twisted into a barbed wire fence. And that dog tried to yelp, but he, obviously, how long? He had been barking and yelping for so long he had lost his voice. But he was still able to throw a fit. This must have been the quietest ram caught in a thicket ever known to mankind. But oftentimes God in his good providence, he works in a very unassuming, quiet way. We must trust him. We must trust him. Abraham in his faith saw the provisions that God made. So Abraham called, he named that place. He named that place Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. He named it Jehovah Jireh. Generally means the Lord provides. But specifically there, the Jireh part means the Lord sees beforehand. To see beforehand. You see, God sees what we need before we ever know that we need it. We must have the faith and the submission and the trust that He will provide. Only the one who sees beforehand can provide, of it, provide for us. In other words, there's prevision and there's provision. God has the prevision, so He's the only one who can 
provide the provision for us. Some people look at it this way. As, as Abraham and Isaac are making their way up one side of the mountain, the ram is making its way up the other side of the mountain to where God, when it was time, has the ram ready to step in in the place of Isaac. That may or may not be the case, but we know that God provided the ram. Abraham, in his faith, he saw the provisions that God was able uh, to make. Now we get to the good part. Abraham, in his faith, shows us Jesus. John chapter 8, 56-58, Jesus himself says, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and he was glad. We don't know how much Abraham was able to totally grasp about what was coming down the road, but we know he shows us a lot about Jesus. So here we go. Abraham through his seed, would bring Jesus to us. Galatians 3.16 Abraham's seed, not seeds, Paul says, but singular, through one man's seed would come one Lord, one Christ. And then, of course, remember, just as the ram was taken and sacrificed in the place of Isaac, so Jesus our Lord stepped in and took our place, though we deserve the, cruci- the, the, the gruesome death, we deserve separation from God, Jesus stepped in and took our place. Back to the heart of Abraham, it must have grieved Abraham to have to bring the suffering and pain upon his son, but he was stopped from doing it. But God went through with it on the cross. He went through with it. He went through the very offering of his son for us. And while we're thinking about that, God told Abraham to go into the mountains of Moriah Those mountains of Moriah are only just a few hundred yards away from Mount Calvary where Jesus died for us. Abraham had a firm belief in God's power to raise the dead. And in a sense, according to Hebrews 11, 19, in a sense, in a prefigure sort of way, Isaac did come back to him from the dead, but that in a prefigure sort of way pictured the resurrection of Jesus Christ, no doubt. And then go with me back to chapter 22, Genesis 22, and look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. They took off on their journey. God said, go to the land of Moriah. And Abraham lifted up his eyes on the third day. On the third day, on the third day, 22 verse 4, he lifted up his eyes 
on the third day. And he saw the place where God wanted him to go. He saw the place. And think about what Jesus says in John 8. He said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Abraham, Genesis 22, verse 4. He's traveling along. He lifted up his eyes and he looked and he saw the place and it was the third day. I don't know that God means for us to put that together directly with the day of Jesus' resurrection, but it's really good to think about, isn't it? And notice what is said in chapter 22, verse 14. As Abraham names this place, the final phrase of verse 14 says, In the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Bring that on down to the first century. Bring that on down to Christ. On that hill of Golgotha, indeed, it was provided, wasn't it? And for us, it remains to have an obedient faith. Not just an obedient faith, but a faith that proves our love for God. What is that thing that is holding you back? What is that thing that you have not been willing to give up? It might be some false ideal that you're just holding on to. You know it's not right. You know it's not right. You've been through. You've heard the, the scriptures. Okay, It's not about who's saying it. It's about what the scriptures say. You've heard it a thousand times now. And you just keep holding on, holding on. Because it's different from what you grew up with. It's different from what you thought. Isn't it time to let that go? Let it all go. Bring it to the Lord. Will you come right now as we stand together, as we sing?